Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson and I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Corey B. MTG. What is up, bro? Not too much, Bradley. I am doing excellent, playing some new M21, living life. How about yourself? I, I, I have also indulged in the M21 lifestyle, but before we get into that, I would like to say to everyone listening to this, you can find this podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And also, I've got a second announcement. Oh, what is it? It is that uh, we have a special guest this week. That is right. Uh, it's about when, time. I know, about time, <laughs> a good special guest. Now, Wednesday <laughs> of this week was the M21 Early Access event where players got a chance to test the set before it officially releases. To balance this out, though, we wanted to bring in a special guest who will be getting M21 late access. Oh, yes, of course. He won't be testing <laughs> the set until months after it's already out. Well, I don't even know if that's true, but the person is Mr. Brian Brown doing. How's it going, BBD? Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's going um, slowly. It's going late, but it's going. And uh, yeah, you know, I just want to say thanks so much for inviting me to be on this podcast. Um, you know, kind of things haven't been that great lately. And then I got the call, you know, and everyone's always waiting for the call and, um, was told, Hey, Bash Bros podcast, would you like to be the special guest? And, you know, who would turn that down in their right mind? Who I know would hundreds turn have. That down? <laughs> I know hundreds have, but who in their right mind would turn that down? And Brian, no, I, I got one question for you, Brian. You have a Players Tour Finals to play next month, but you're going to still be two months out before you start testing? It's that late? <laughs> Aren't you going to be late for your Players Tour Finals? Uh... No comment at this time. Yeah, okay, actually, okay. Yeah, yeah, the Players for Finals is in exactly one month from now, so hopefully you do get a little bit more preparation in for that because that is going to be a fun tournament. About 150 people are qualified for it, and the top 16 will qualify for the Grand Finals, I believe that's called, for the uh, time is to be determined. Um, oh, it's my favorite time of the year. Oh. Flowers are blooming, you know, the sun is bright. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, TBD. flowers may be or may not be blooming. That that's, is, t- that's TBD, Brian. That is, we, yeah, we don't know about that yet. To be yeah. determined, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, a new thing on the podcast before we get into our topics, I do just want to have a shout out for one of our newest Patreons, Dan Albert. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash bash bros podcast, where we have a few amazing tiers. We even have one which cannot be named, but it's worth looking into if you want to go take a look at that. Oh, I'm intrigued. I would imagine other people are. I mean, I got 499 problems. One, yeah, one, one, <laughs> one person is and, and has always been a, a, a 499 club. But yeah. uh, but as as you all know, uh, we we cannot discuss that. <laughs> I I still did meet that person, and it was one of the funniest conversations I've ever had. <laughs> I, but I don't Corey, know you've had about. hundreds of conversations with me. None of them were funny. Uh, no comment. T T T B D T B D T B D. That is to be determined. All right. All right, so uh, so now moving in, let's talk about a few things from the past. Now, of course, M21 early access. It happened yesterday. A lot of uh, content creators were playing it on Twitch or other platforms, mm-hmm. and uh, both of us. I, I threw up a YouTube video uh, as well. Uh, but uh, before we get into that, let's let's take a look back in the past because there's a few things that are worth talking about. Um, uh, well, I guess yeah, we'll we'll talk about this one in a little bit. Sorry. 
Um, I actually finished off my players tour, my original players tour this past weekend, where I ended up playing a newer strategy called Orza Viore. Now, I did not make day two. I had a very frustrating day one and finished four or five. Um, I want to a- interrupt you for a second and say that I'm proud of your finish, Brad. And I mean, non sarcastically. Because I did better than you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yes, Brad, I uh, I casted your sadly unfortunate elimination event as well as your first match. We started and ended with you. And, uh, well, at least you started on a good note. I didn't, actually. I started one and three, rattled off uh, four wins in a row, and then lost two in a row. But you started with a good note. 1-0, baby. 1-0. I did. I did. I did start 1-0, <laughs> and I absolutely destroyed my opponent playing band, and it felt really good. Yeah. Now, now, um... Yeah, it wasn't just uh, me playing the deck. Uh, Eric Froelich, Ben Stark, and Seth Manfield all uh, played the deck, and we all played in the same tournament. And Ben actually did top eight. Mm. Um, but but yeah, so... Uh, and the only reason Seth didn't, Seth and Ben played in the winning in, which was uh, a little unfortunate, I can imagine. Seth, Seth would have made it with a win in the last round as well. Seth, yeah. Seth actually lost... Seth was X and... Two with three to go and lost all three of them. Yep, yep. And uh, yeah, it was a little unfortunate. There were uh, some judgment calls made. Uh, we watched a, a good chunk of his matches as well. Some judgment calls that were made that ended up didn't going it or did not go in his favor, and it was a little unfortunate he did not make it. Yeah, but uh, the the deck was very sweet. Now the deck we're talking about, it, we called it Orzov Yorian, But for anyone that watched any coverage or have seen it on the ladder, it is the black and white rats. Uh, Doom foretold strategy that is uh, 80 cards because of Yorion and three Yorions in the main deck uh, with uh, whatever the prince is called. I still don't even know. I don't even Charming know the prince. Names of the Charming <laughs> prince. Yes. Charming prince and the draw three for three, two colors and a black. I don't remember what that's called. Treacherous um, blessing. Treacherous blessing. God, I love having a caster now on on, the, on here. <laughs> yeah, I'm so I, glad I have that to you're get lo- better. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad you're leveling up at this shit. Yeah, it's slowly but surely though. I, I feel I have the I think it's in our blood, Brad, that we just have a Who's mental surely? block when it comes to uh <laughs> when it comes to naming the cards. So qu- like why is this deck named Orzov Yorion and not named uh mostly white black mid-range uh, sorry, mostly white black rat rats, rats charming and serpents <laughs> mid-range well well if, if we wanted to go into this i actually have a a, a very actual real answer for this mm, uh, fake answers only please uh okay well fake <laughs> answers the reason it's not that long is because the uh the input was 256 characters or mm. less yeah. oh okay of course yeah, yeah. um <laughs> The actual answer is ever since I started working on MTG Melee and doing deck naming and trying to get players to use the same net deck names so that like all our data is represented well and everyone uh, can see like win percentage as well. Um, very generic names is just important, like Bant Ramp or whatever. And ever since the Companion Fix, I don't like the in parentheses Yorion anymore or Companion. I just think that if a deck plays a companion, it should just be color identity plus that companion's name because odds are they're all the same anyway. Right. And yeah. uh, and also, like, the descriptor has to be common so that it, it just tries to get around the world. Now, I, I will... I, I have conformed to either public opinion or whatever Wizards has said, but I'm just trying to stay as similar because, like, for example, it doesn't matter. Team Reclamation's been the same name forever. 
and everyone just names their deck team reclamation. But when it comes to like Bant, a lot of people go Bant Control, Bant Ramp, Bant Midrange, Bant Ramp Yorion. So like I have to like delete all the options and just pick one that everyone's going to use. And now they can recreate and make it them whatever they want. Mm. And, th and then I get that mental note of the person that calls their team a reclamation deck colorless sneak and show. And then I'm like, you know what? You're on my shit list. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but and I won't remember your name. But if I do, I will know you're on my shit list. <laughs> Anytime I try to uh, name decks in just a fun, cool way or whatever for versus live, they get immediately defund by Cedric. So I I'm used to not being able to color outside the line when it comes to deck list. Well, uh, oddly <laughs> enough, that's not the only thing getting defunded these days. I, I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> impressive. Impressive. <laughs> I really set you guys up for that one. You did, yes. Yeah, but so so the original is somebody uh, top 32 to a standard challenge on MTGO. Eric found the deck list, and uh, Eric, uh, I actually worked with Eric Froelich on it. Um, Ephro and Athena are like the only two people that Amber and I have really like left the house to go hang out with. Like they're in quarantine, we're in quarantine, but we've like hung out quite a few times now. Yep. And uh, so we like tested the deck for a little bit. I didn't know if I was going to end up playing it. I was thinking about playing BAMP, but then last minute I just pulled the trigger because like, like the regional players tour is not as important for the the MPL as others because we are qualified for the next events. But at the same time, if I can win $8,000 at home, especially that tournament was only like 150 people. The one I played in, like I was very pot committed and 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 very into it. And you know, my day didn't go that well, but still, yeah, got you that. had some rough pairings, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah. did. We got the meta game where we thought it would be, but pairings yeah. didn't go well. But the deck did end up winning the Red Bull Untapped uh, Italy event. I I don't know if uh, either of you have been keeping up, but. Red Bull Untapped is still happening. Uh, we're a quarter of the way through the 16 qualifiers, and Italy just had theirs. Uh, 269 players played in that, and it ended up winning that entire tournament. So that's pretty cool that the deck actually just like showed up and did well in a tournament. And Team Rec actually only went 49% in that tournament, which is pretty impressive when that deck was dominating the week before. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, the players tours three and four combined, it was only like 45% there too. So people are just figuring the way to beat Team of Reclamation, you have to target it and you have to target it really hard, but then it's a beatable strategy. You know, I mean, it's it's not the the Cobblades of the world or Jeskai Luka, in my opinion, you know? Yeah, the problem with that though, is that like, it's, uh, you have to really bend over to actually like, like try to beat it. Like, right, you have to really weaken yourself to other strategies yeah like, that's the tough thing playing rotting regisaur in the main deck is an awesome way to beat the deck but then you know you play against other bant decks where they can bounce <laughs> it in your combat and stuff like that then it does become tough so yeah it, it, it is like a metagame call if you really want to beat team of reclamation you can do it but then you gotta expect to uh have to play against other decks yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's how yeah those decks have generally always been where it's like mm -hmm. You you can technically beat it, but yeah. is it worth it to do so? And yeah, yeah the juice is right. I mean, the juice is worth the squeeze for someone like uh, Luis Del Tor, who top aided the the uh, mythic uh, or the the sorry the uh, the regional players tour two weeks ago with Bant. Uh, played in one SCG challenge on melee, won that, so qualified them for the uh, the is it called the the seasonal championship no, something the championship like that qualifier. the championship qualifier for SCG that was this past weekend as well and won that tournament so mm -hmm. qualified him for 
the the big SCG tournament that'll be coming up in the next uh, month or so. And and that uh, SCG tournament was no joke. I mean, there were some great players. That top four was Autumn Burchett, Paulo Vitor, Dama Del Rosa, Luis Del Toro, and uh, uh, some other player that I'm forgetting. Sorry, but uh, I mean, that's a stacked top four well, right there. Well, it wasn't Corey Baumeister. It sure as hell was not me. I was, I was barely functioning and half hallucinating during that tournament, so... <laughs> well, yeah, if, you're, yeah. if you were, it sounds like you weren't hallucinating hard enough if you don't think that you were one of the top four players in that tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Corey's, like, Corey's like, when does the top four start? And I'm like, dude, you went three six. Like, yeah, you've been out of this tournament for hours, dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I watched their coverage. Their coverage actually, I, I, I didn't see the first couple rounds, and they said there was a few hiccups, but yeah, after that. I don't even know what those hiccups were, but after that, the coverage looked great. Yeah. Um, I wasn't some sound paying... syncing issues were the the round one, but after that, it it picked up. Yeah, and there was a phenomenal match between Autumn and and Paulo in the top four. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. I mean, if you have like this is like the the Lord of the Rings version of a magic match where you got to know that you're sitting down for the entire evening to finish it because uh, it <laughs> came down to, it came down to time. So um, is there like, do I have to watch like the extended edition or something? It was like it was extra, extended. extra director cut scenes of like <laughs> narrations. Can, yes. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a very, very good match of team reclamation mirror. Um, a lot of interesting decisions were made from both sides. Um, I'd highly recommend trying to hide information. Like if you were like hyper competitive and wanted to get better, um, it would be cool to try to hide the information from one side and try to make the decisions or, you know, try to mentally block out the information that people would have because it was phenomenal from both sides. Um, I was I was very enthralled when I was watching that. But let's let's actually move on to to new stuff, because let, let, let's talk about the new stuff. Yeah, that I'm format's talking. done. Let's get that shit out of here. Yeah, Team Rec is totally not it's gonna dead. be playable. Yeah, it's a dead 40, deck. Dead 49% strategy. when heavily targeted, that deck yeah. is dead. Yeah, you guys, it's 49% Yorian and Pioneer. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Remember when that stat came out? Oh, Are you yeah. talking about Inverter? Yeah, or yeah, 40, 49% inverter that uh, Canister used that joke constantly every time he streamed it. It was so funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so M21, uh, at this point, when you're listening to this podcast, we'll be releasing today uh, on, on Arena for, for everyone to play, and probably on MTGO, but I don't pay attention to that anymore. <laughs> um, I'm assuming it comes out on MTGO too. But uh, so we've got that. And then with this is a big update, right? Because Mac users can now play arena. Uh, that's that's the up- that's that's a big update. Why? Why? I, I just I don't know. It just it feels like a long time coming for that. And I just immediately got like uh, vibes of like. All right, and MTG Arena is now playable in Windows 3.1. Like, (laughs) (laughs) oh man, it's okay. Sorry. Yeah, it does feel like that should have been a feature, you know, a long time ago, so everybody could play Arena. (laughs) It's like, and Kaladesh was just released for Mac users earlier today. (laughs) What what was the joke that we were talking about? There was that Twitter account that is all, like, flashbacks or, like, really delayed content. What was it like? Oh, the Internet Internet Explorer Explorer account. Yeah, Yeah, this is like the Internet Explorer. It's like... (laughs) 
Jace the Mind Sculptor has just been banned in standard for Mac users earlier today. (laughs) (laughs) Will Bloodbraid Elf run rampant now? (laughs) Oh, man. But that is true. Any Mac users out there can now play Arena without going through all the shortcuts. Like, I looked into it because Amber is a Mac user for all of her, like, um, photography and, and editing stuff. And... Um, and so like, there's, there's, lo- there's ways to go around it by like creating new iOS and stuff. Yeah. 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 Whatever that, that crap is, but it seemed excessive and it would crash and all that, but now it's just integrates with it. Now I bet there might be some bugs, but oh yeah, uh, hopefully there isn't. And Mac users can just play arena starting tomorrow with ease. And that's, I want to be clear that I wasn't making a knock on Mac users. I'm just making a knock on the absurdity of how long they have not been able to play Arena. I just picture some Mac user that's like, you know what? I am sick of only being able to play Magic Online. I am just going to buy a different computer. And then they next day hear this announcement like, son of a. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well, lucky for you, laptops burn out pretty easily playing Arena. So, (laughs) yeah, you'll need a new one soon anyway. Oh, Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, no. All right. Anyway, so M21. Um, (laughs) um, No, so M21 is coming out and while there's a lot of cards in it um you know this is this is an eight set standard so there's already a ton of cards already good and people are playing and so and and also like looking through it it does feel like it's a it's a it's a powered down set it does it even seems powered down relative to m20 yeah. Um, and so, like, well, definitely M twenty. M twenty broke shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's that's. It would be very scary if it wasn't. Yeah, wasn't M twenty Golos and Field of the Dead? So and... here, sorry to derail, but here's a random question. Yeah. Do you think that, like, how much do you think Watsi know, like, is knows about the power level of these sets? Like, let's say because they're they're making sets years in advance. Yeah. Let's say that they're, um, you know, they're they're before M twenty even comes out to us. They're probably already starting to work on M twenty one. I don't know how far into the process they are, but it's like if you were to give them both of those sets and lay them side by side with no context of how the how they actually played out in standard, like which set do you do you think they would have said was more powerful? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I definitely don't think they, you know, set a line, be like, okay, M20, we're going to crank up the power, but M21, we're going to bring it back down. Like, I did not, I, I highly doubt they have that going into their set design. I, I feel like a lot of it is just random. Like, oh, yeah. not, not, not like pure random or whatever, but it's like just they, they might think that M21 is more powerful than M20. M21 could also prove to be more powerful than M20. We don't know either. Yeah. It's just like, I, I just feel like a lot of that stuff is like, we're like, you know, yeah, they really powered uh, down M21, which is a good thing because M20 was too good. And it's like, maybe they didn't power it down. You know, maybe it's just <laughs> randomly wasn't as powerful, but they didn't think that, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to see how far in the future they saw, like, War of the Spark, you know, impacting standard, and they're like, okay, we need to lower it down by this set, but it's a year and a half in advance. But even sometimes we're praising them, like, hey, they really lowered the power on this set, that's a good thing, and they're like, we didn't lower the power on that set, it (laughs) just didn't end up being powerful, but we didn't 
lower yeah, the we power. actually cranked that up uh, yeah it's like that was supposed <laughs> to be like the powerful set you know like yeah, I mean, yeah. I do like that they are transparent in, in a lot of ways about that kind of stuff. I think that they they hide some of that when they have to ban. But of course, like, yeah, you know, that's that's difficult, right? It's it's not easy to just go to the world and say, hey, we fucked up real bad. Um, <laughs> no, it's not even a knock on Watson. No, I think, I think no. the, like I, I think d- designing sets for people trying to break formats is like a literally there's a zero percent success rate there like that that's not something that can be done so but yeah seems tough yeah and and but yeah so so i mean definitely it does feel underpowered because if you just look at the the chase cards like they just feel weaker especially with what we know it already exists in standard um and but there are some cards that i think are kind of messed up and the one place that i want to start is the deck that I was just fooling around with. I made a YouTube video that went up yesterday, <laughs> which is just an a, a very ported over version of Team Elementals with Yorion. Like, you know, the deck that um, Gregor Kowalski popularized, but then it didn't really go anywhere. It was just like all of the ramp, the Uros, the uh, Genesis Ultimatums, Agent of Treachery, that deck. Oh, I remember that deck from uh, the bottom of the win percentage bracket of every <laughs> tournament for like two weeks. Yes, yes, that's the one. That's the one. Um, but it got his best card banned, so it should probably be good now, right? Yeah. Agent well, of Treachery, yeah. Yes, oh, yeah, but, yeah. But the thing about this is I thought there were some cards that would port over really well, and so far I know it's just early access, and I know Team Reclamation exists, and I know all of these co- like things are probably going to make it not good enough, but I mm. definitely think changing Agent into Ugin the Spirit Dragon is a huge upgrade for a strategy like this because when because it doesn't matter how wide you're like the whole strategy against a ramp deck is to go wide and fast um or or ignore its its strategies like team reclamation can do right but that's more of a combo control deck but for most strategies it's about going wide and fast and where an agent might not be enough to stem the bleeding um ugin can completely reset the board yeah. And 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 also uh I I put two other cards in this deck that are both reprints, one from M21, which is Solemn Similar Crumb, and the other is the Ugin the Ineffable. Mm. And and I threw that card in there because that's also technically a ramp spell for for Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Right. It makes your it makes the Spirit Dragon cost six instead of eight. Yeah, and and uh while that didn't come up yet. I, I definitely like the idea that you can put this, it can make a roadblock for the turn or it can kill a problematic permanent. If it lives through the turn, then you get to Ugin for cheaper. And and that's like one of the problems with these decks is not having a high enough impact in the late game. Uh, whereas like Ugin was just killing everyone. It was just ending the game every so, time I played it. So you see like, so there's like a deck, like this deck is um, like a deck where all your cards kind of are two for ones and they just generate these advantages as the game goes on. And you're always like small ball two for oneing your opponent. Um, and there are ways like to beat decks like that, like uh, going way over the top of them or swarming past them or going under them or whatever, like Brad was saying. And like agent of treachery is just another two for one in a two for one deck. But Ugin is not that like Ugin is, is like a game breaker uh, over like, big card and so it i i do agree like basically i'm trying to agree with you i think this is a completely different angle for a deck like this that gives it way more power and way uh less um what's the word 
it's way less one-dimensional, so you can't exploit it as easy. Yeah, the one thing that I will say is I I would think this deck is going to struggle against what is the two pillars of the format right now in Ban Ramp and Teamer Reclamation. Like, I mean, Ugin trying to negative four for a Wilderness Reclamation is fine and all, but, I mean, there's a lot of counter spells. It's still an eight-mana sorcery. I... I, I don't know if I'd okay, be a, so, a huge believer in that it would beat Bant or Teamer Reclamation. Well, I, I couldn't I couldn't imagine a world where I would want to play against this with Bant. Like I, I couldn't actually imagine a world where I'd want to play against Teamer Elementals with Ugin and Genesis Ultimatum, um, and like a really good curve of card advantage creatures and threats. Um, that that some can get gusted, some can't. Some can get disputed, some can't. Um, and then topping off with four Ugins, like I, I just couldn't imagine a world where it, it loses to Bant. Now, I will completely agree with you in Teamer. Teamer, you'd literally have to build your entire sideboard to beat that and like maybe one mm. other deck and hope it works. But like, yeah, I, like there's like the whole the whole reason that Bant beats Teamer is because it warps itself to be able to interact with small ball kind of effects. Mm-hmm. And 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 it plays shark typhoons and and all of this that would be garbage against the team or the the team oh, elementals yeah. deck. Yeah, so definitely like, shark is bad against that deck for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I I I think you're you're right about team reclamation and completely wrong about bat. Like, I just picture like ECD when Ugin hits. It's like you have a couple turns before the ultimate's going and just ECD it. You know, seems like a popular thing, and then dispute Genesis ultimatums and Risen Reefs. But I I could see it. Um, you know, still going over the top of Bant Ramp, though. I mean, every, I, I, every, I think every it's definitely car, possible. Like, like Brian said, every card gains card advantage. So you have Uros, yeah. you have Risen Reefs, you have Cavaliers, uh, you have Solemn Similar Crumbs, you have other Ugins, you have Genesis Ultimatums. Like, you, you also have, can't you, dispute an ultimatum if they have 10 mana, and if the game's yes. going to drag on super long, that's going to happen a lot. So. Yeah, you can Dovin's Veto, though, too. But yeah, yeah, yeah veto, I, I definitely yeah. could see that one being closer, or maybe favored in uh, that. But my general assumption would be that it would beat it, but obviously I could oh, be wrong. We have two early access accounts to fight me. All right. Build, I'll fight build, you. <laughs> build a band deck and say we argued about it and put this on YouTube today. <laughs> okay. I'm, 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 I mean it. We'll do this. This sounds gas. This sounds fun All as right. hell. I, I already have a band deck built, so I'm in. Great. That's great. <laughs> fight me. All right. So let's move on, though, because let's talk about the teamer matchup itself. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I what? love how I love how the disagreement just devolved into fight me IRL. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> perfect. Brian, I, <laughs> Brian, I can. Uh, I, I guess you don't have a brother. That uh, that's how we solved most of our problems when we were kids. Well, let's fight then, bro. Uh, I do have three <laughs> brothers actually, so I'm, mm. I'm well versed. Yes. All right, all right. <laughs> But but yeah, so so we'll we'll do that. But yeah, like that's that's what I've been playing with. Um, and and I want to talk more about ramp as a topic moving forward. But before we get to that, what have you been playing with? Uh, I'm assuming you're talking to me because I I'm guessing Brian, <laughs> you didn't uh, dive into uh, the early access too much since you're no, late we'll to the party. We'll, we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll we'll ask Brian in in six to eight weeks. Yeah, okay, of course. Yeah, you got to catch me in the late <laughs> access, man. Do not pay attention. Come on. Honestly, the deck that I have uh, started to play with was Green White Counters. I know I talked Moving about it on, on the Brian, last. Brian, what do you think you're going to do with your late access? Uh... <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> but it, okay, you're playing with Celestia Counters, but is it with Solemn Simulacrum and Ugin? And Ugin, right yes, now? yes, of course. I'm splashing for Solemn Simulacrum and Ugin. Yep. 
Splashing, they're colorless, Corey. Exactly. Oh, Added yeah. a lot of colorless land. <laughs> All right. Seriously, though, what's 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 the Celestia deck? So, uh, Celestia deck, just like a Pelt Collector, Conclave Mentor, um, you know, Vivian Loxodon, Venerated Loxodon deck. Those are the the key pillars of it. And just being able to just generate huge creatures, you know, as fast as turn three, you still play Hwatli Raptors, Growth Chamber Guardian, um, because if you ever just, you know, tap one with Loxodon, uh, you get to search up more immediately. And then for Wildwood Scourge is a card that I kind of thought would be not that great just because most of the time it has to be a two mana one one. Um, but the amount of like how fast that card scales up is outrageous when you either Huatli's Raptor, Vivian or Loxodon, um, other creatures, then you get a counter for, um, each counter put on other creatures. And then you just use Vivian to give it trample at the end or, uh, trample at some point, uh, to go over with like a 12, 12 or something like that. Uh, it's it's been awesome. Which one? What raptor are you talking it's about? It's Hwa- <laughs> raptor. Okay, I'm not sure what that does, but oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it, is, it is X X green at zero zero comes into play with X counters. Whatever non hydra creatures you control get counters. Put that many on it. Yeah. So I mean, if you play stone coil serpent, you add a counter onto that. If you locks it on three other creatures and the wildwood scourge, you get four total counters onto it. And then if you have conclave mentor, then you're getting eight counters. Um, if you have pelt collector in play, you're actually getting five triggers because it'll get a trigger from Loxodon, which then the pelt collector will trigger wildwood scourge. Right, I, I, have, I have a question, Corey. Yeah. For us non free to play players. What uh what other decks do you have? <laughs> oh wow. That is <laughs> For us looking to use our mythic wild cards, what should we play? Yeah. <laughs> He's gone. Corey, are you there? Oh man. That was <laughs> brutal. Oh um, man, Corey, can you please come back? Oh, I'm here. <laughs> he never left. <laughs> I will say that this sounds like a fun deck. It does. I mean, of course, it does. I just I mean that 100 percent seriously. I love those kinds of decks. So. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, take 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 your licks, Corey. Hey, I'm ready. Next topic. Let's go. <laughs> Any other decks that you've been playing with? Bant Ramp? Yeah, just a Bant Ramp with Ugin and Solemn Simulacrum uh, and Teferi Master of Time. Uh, and then just a little bit more Shatter Effects to just see if Teferi is actually good. Um, but I, I, I'm still just unsure if that card's, you know, either really strong or, or completely unplayable. But what those are the only things effects? that... Uh, uh, shatter the sky. Wrath effects, I should say. Okay, because shatter yeah. effects mean something way different. Yeah, yeah. Nope, just a, a Yorian band deck, and then the green-white deck is the only thing that I've uh, messed around with before we did this cast, but plan to do some more after this. What's yes. the biggest What's the biggest R&D error of the last two years, and why is it naming a Wrath Shatter? <laughs> <laughs> and also, shatter the sky doesn't make much sense, because that, that sounds like a green like a uh, windstorm type effect. Yeah. Or, or like a, a tower of Babel, you know, like, tr- you know, 
preacher trying to achieve more power than it can handle type card, you know, to me. Yeah. Well, one, one more deck that I'm going to start working on a little bit here. And this was uh, at the end of the format type strategy. Now we're moving to a new format or a new set, but it doesn't mean we're changing the format that much. And uh, I don't know how to say this name, but it's Oats Darva. That's that's the best I got. Um, one, the uh, the Mega Online Series beta event from Axia Now. Axia Now is a, a big UK store um, overseas, and they ran their first big event on MTG Melee last weekend. Um, over 150 people, $3,000 prize pool, uh, 3,000 euro, excuse me. Uh, and they're starting to run big events on Melee, and this was their first one. But it was won by a four-color Yorion deck. Now, this deck looks just like Bant. Uh, it's got Fairy, Narset, Uro, Nightpack, Hydroid, Krasos, Elspeth, Conqueror's Death, Omen of the Sea, Shark, Typhoon, Gross Spiral, Dovin's Veto, Aether, Custom Wilt, and the main deck sounds just like a Bant deck. But it also has um, Extinction Event, Thought Erasure, and Mythos of Nathroi. And I was like, cool, four-color deck to just kind of play casually for the last couple days before the, the set rotates. I'm in, I'll try this out. And I was pleasantly surprised after going like eight and one with it to the point where I was like, shit, I wish I just played this for my regionals players tour because uh, Mythos of Nathroi actually just is great right now. Yeah, yeah this, this deck, deck seems sweet. Yeah, this deck is sweet too. And I think one thing that is really awesome is the sideboard really takes advantage of black and it just plays a lot of good targeted cards for matchup oath of kaya for aggressive decks that are trying to kill you fast casualties of war uh you know when you're trying to um blow people out you know bant uh, in particular where you can get planeswalkers and shamans and lands heartless act is a great removal spell legion's end and then just more extinction events which I, I I think that card is so good right now, but there's just not that many good black decks in the format, like at all, you know? Well, so I, I, yeah, this deck is pretty cool. Yeah, the, the the black decks are also, it's very good against, right? Like Jun Sacrifice is a, besides the Priest, <laughs> is just a one, three, five type of strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and that and it was very good there. You can get cats um, pretty easily. It's okay. Exiling Uros and stuff like that is, is valuable. And yeah, I, I think this deck's pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I was very impressed with it. And and mostly it was just like, oh, I got to do your, like one of my, the oldie but goodie plays that I almost forgot about, Brian. My, my opponent scried top, mm. and but they had zero cards in hand and they had like 10 mana. And I had two cards in my hand. What were they? With what deck? With this deck. And it's neither two? of them were Narset. Oh, oh, take out Thought Erasure. Yeah, oh. that, yeah, that that was it. I want to see if Brian got there, but yeah, oh. Teferi thought erasure after draw step. It's been so long. Oh yeah, yeah. I got to do. I actually got to do that in the players uh, tour quite often. I actually got a got a couple concessions out of it. I mean, I was winning the game, but felt 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 real good. Um, yeah. Also, in that tournament, my Esper Hero deck did lose to Sultai deck, and Extinction Event was. Very good against the zero, two, and four converted mana costs that, that my creatures make, were. That doesn't make any sense. Why, how how could saying even beat the hero of precinct one? one? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh. It doesn't make any sense to me either, Brad. I filed a formal complaint, <laughs> went unheard. No response. I 
I've sent 74 emails to Watsi in the last 14 days, and they haven't responded to any of them. And I <laughs> you're, you're, suppo- you're supposed to do daily tweets about that. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. I figured it out. I'm wrong platform. So. Yes. Wrong platform. Yep. <laughs> the one thing I love about Extinction Event too, though, it's just like one of the very few answers to deal with Dream Trawler, like straight up, you know, I mean, not having to play, uh, the libation or whatever uh when you're in black that just seems like such a better card oh yeah no um and and no that definitely is great for like soul tire deck like this to be able to kill that without sweeping the entire board yeah um and it's not, not like that it's played a lot but yeah yeah and and like orzov yorian we did that too like we didn't have sweepers in that matchup but we luckily had doom foretold um yeah and you rip apart their hands so their dream trawler can actually just be killed straight up with ecd you know but yeah i mean i i think that this kind of strategy is going to be good and and one of the things that'll be interesting is if we can incorporate some of the new cards into a strategy like this because the dual lands are so good right now right like all of these triomes and temples and shock lands the mana is very good but two cards that came out in m21 cultivate and solemn simulacrum also both um are good multicolor strategy cards, especially Cultivate, can get you double splashes. Um, but building a mana base based on non-basics and basics is kind of challenging right now, especially yeah. especially with uh, uh, what's the Fable Passage. So right. like th- th- trying to figure this all out is going to take some time, and and it's quite interesting. But like a deck like this could want a couple Cultivates, but. That's what Maybe. We Can you really add that many basics when you're playing all these triumphs and stuff? I, I feel like you kind of have to pick a lane. Like, already they have four Fabled Passages and, you know, six la- or what, five five basics? I guess that's that's fine in an 80-card deck. But, I mean, if you add Solemn Simulacrum and you're starting to, like, blink that and stuff, you're going to miss out on targets a decent amount, I feel. Well... Yeah, I mean, let's let's move on to the, like, this is another topic that we want to talk about, which is the ramp topic, pretty much. It's just, because, uh, let me set the stage real quick before we get into it. Cultivate and Solemn Simulacrum might be good in Standard. Now, a lot of people don't think Solemn will be that good. I also think it'll be Fringe. I have been pleasantly surprised so far in Team Elementals, but this is on streamer day. It's not competitive, um, you know, early access. So, who knows, but it did feel clean in that deck. But Cultivate was a very good card in the past, and and you brought up a good point. It it butts heads with Uro because Uro is the card that it's like I want to I want my deck to be half mana because I'm going to get to draw like Gross Spiral and Uro both say draw draw a card put a land into play and mm-hmm. and because there's some consistency with getting eight effects like that you want a very high land count because you want to draw and play lands. Cultivate works the opposite. It's three mana true card advantage because it gets you two lands wanting to play one in your hand. So a card like that will tell you to play less lands in your main deck. Yeah, that uh, is an interesting dilemma right there. Right. Yeah. You, I don't think that they go into the same deck, really. Because, like, Mm-mm. you you don't want to be drawing Cultivates off your Uros and Grow Spirals. And, yeah, like what you're saying, you want to you be playing a lot of lands with those cards and, and the opposite with Cultivate. And, like, if you're playing a Grow Spiral Uro deck... You you just don't really want to be drawing like dead cards late in the game like Cultivate is. I don't know. I, I don't think that they go into the same deck. Yeah, yep, and then and if they, well, if they don't go in the same deck, then then what you're saying is that like Cultivate would try to fit itself into a green based strategy that does not support blue. And at that point, what the hell are you doing? 
Right, like like the. Oh, semi- you're playing Abzan, Corey. You ready oh, to build it? Yeah. You Let's ready to build to the Abzan tank. deck to start the format out? Have it be I'm fun in. for about four hours and then completely suck. Oh yeah, I mean honestly, I think we'd be generous uh, to give ourselves four hours of that deck being good. But okay, yeah. fair, fair. <laughs> I did like that you both were really high on that, and then Corey's like, "Okay, I'm just going to switch to Simic," and then didn't he clown you in the? The E-League? Was that E-League? He didn't clown me. He defeated me (laughs) in two close games of Magic. Super close. Yeah. It was anyone's game, really. Uh, Hard to say who was going to win. He came out on top in the end, but hard to say. Hard fought battles, though, Dizzler. Hard fought. (laughs) So so going a little bit further, Cultivate and Solemn also don't really work that well with um Uro in the sense that uh they both can can create two for ones. Potentially Solemn can create a three for one if it trades. Um but these are the kind of cards that I feel like help an Ugin. Uh even though I don't have cultivate in an Ugin strategy, like getting true card advantage is always important for a deck that wants to like one for one slow the game down down long enough for an Ugin to actually have an effect. But like it doesn't even seem possible in a format like this because, like, the ramp is degenerate. Like, I, I, I've I, already put Ugin into play on turn four thanks to um, perfect acceleration into a Genesis uh, a Genesis Ultimatum. Like, I went one, three, five, seven, and then I found the Ugin. I was like, well, that's stupid, right? Like, Cultivate cultivate is just not on that same level. You, you want to play, like, Cultivate in... I guess a deck with hand disruption, but that's already not that good. So I don't even know. Yeah. I think that cultivate. Uh, I, I think cultivate we, is going to be unplayable. To be honest, we're we doing Genesis Hydra into Ugin in another format, and now we're doing Genesis Ultimatum into Ugin. Is this like? <laughs> is this just rinse and repeat? Oh, I, I get such bad deja vu these days about Magic. Like bad. Like <laughs> like to the point where sometimes I question my own reality. I'm like, I literally have done this exact same thing before. Some, yep. Only sometimes you're questioning your own reality. Man, I have long ways to go. <laughs> one uh, one Ugin deck that uh, maybe we haven't touched on yet that I actually think might just be the best Ugin deck is a Simic Mutate deck that can flip over uh, with Aspiring Strix or whatever, the, um, the green Mutate card where however many times you've mutated, you flip over that many cards and put all permanents into play. Being able to cheat Ugin into play with that deck where you mutate your early two drops or your early three drops into a six drop where you get to like negative five then and essentially keep your two drops and stuff like that. I think that's going to be a a really powerful Ugin strategy moving forward. It sounds a little too eh to me because those strategies, um, you have to play a shit ton of bad cards to, to make the one good card good, right? Like, I would much rather just instead of hitting Ugin and resetting the board, I'd much rather hit the the seven seven right, the Crater of Behemoth, and for, yeah. and Razor's Forerunner. Because the thing is, is like you're you that deck already opens itself up to a lot of like issues, like um, Elspeth conquers death to fairy things that already exist, and 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 like if you were saying like I don't think Teamer Elementals because of like. If you think Team Elementals doesn't have a shot in hell because of its it already didn't check boxes before, then then Mutate is definitely on that. 
I mean, Mutate did pretty well in this last format already, and it's not like it it would be, you know, completely changed. It still plays the same kind of thing, and it's already naturally a ramp deck. And I mean, there there is always something you could, you know, start the N-Race Forerunners, and then when you play against Aggro, side those out for Ugans or something like that to adjust. But yeah, I, I'm not saying it's great, because Simic Mutate is definitely not an uh, all-star deck, but it could be a really cool Ugin deck. It does feel like a win more. It's like once I'm finally doing all of my cool shit and I'm putting five creatures into play off of these triggered abilities, I don't even think I need the Ugin against aggressive decks. Mm, maybe, because I mean, when you're Paradise Druiding and stuff like that, they usually can't interact with your Mutate anyways, but you need a way to push over because eventually when you turn that sideways, you're going to lose it against a lot of decks. But, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Against aggressive decks, like once you're flipping five cards off the top of your library, you're putting a ton of creatures into play. Yeah. And, and and so you're already like winning now that you've stabilized like that deck can stabilize that way. Whereas like a team of ramp deck, like you have to have a really good Genesis ultimatum to put a bunch of creatures to play. Odds are when you're Ugining, you have like two, maybe three creatures in play and and you're and you're playing an Ugin. Whereas if you're flipping cards off the top of your library with that effect, then you're I mean, you can always get the like the hey win, right? Like the I got lucky and I hit Ugin. And you have like a turn four or five Ugin that way. But I'm just saying that like if you if I'm flipping like sometimes with that deck, when you go off that way, because the lands come to play untapped and all of the one threes reduce the costs and, and you get to loot and stuff, you almost just like combo off. Like, oh, you, yeah, definitely. you actually you actually just almost combo off, especially if you play the three, four mutate that draws a card. Like, oh, I, remember, I remember being like, how do people have these like turn four board positions? And then I did it once and I'm like. Oh, it just keeps continuing the combo. Uh -oh. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty filthy. And just Grazer into uh, turn two migrating Great Horn onto your Grazer is just such a sick play. I, I, lo I love doing that so much. <laughs> I love our podcast. Other people are out there being like, how many rewinds go into Team Reclamation? I don't know. Let's really break this down. And we're like, listen to our multiple Grazer decks. <laughs> <laughs> Green Mulligan podcast. Let's go. Oh, the Green Mulligan podcast would be great. Rebranding <laughs> re is in the works now. Yeah. Um, so, so real quick though about this, like I do think that an Ugin deck should exist uh, because of how powerful it is. I do agree that Cultivate, Cultivate just feels like a five set standard type of card. Like if it has a shot, I bet it's good in five set because when 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 we lose, like we're gonna lose to Fairy and we're going to lose. A bunch of the red creatures and Narsa and a lot of those early cards. We're gonna lose Gross Spiral, which is big, right? Yeah. That, thank that, God. Like, <laughs> that that Uro might lose a little bit of its value as well. Um, we're gonna lose all of the elementals. Uh so so when this happens, a card like Cultivate might actually get a little bit stronger because we're losing all the shock lands. We don't know what the next cycle of lands is gonna be, and even if the next set has them. But um, our mana will most likely get worse because we'll be down to five set. And and getting incremental card advantage out of cards like Cultivate or Solemn will be potentially good again. Yeah, I, I think that Cultivate is a card that um, just doesn't cut it on a power level with Gross Spiral and Uro uh, yeah. at all. I just don't even think it's close. But I yeah, agree. like what Brad's saying, once, once rotation happens, there's a world where that kind of stuff is good. <laughs> Sure. And that's a lot of cards right now. I mean, there's a lot of cards that are essentially going to be unbanned when we rotate. You know, even like the five mana green Vivian. I think that that card just seems really good. But Nissa, of course, is just going to be better. 
And, you know, even even the four mana Garrick, I don't think that card's going to have an impact, but after rotation, maybe. So uh, there's a lot of stuff to keep in the back of the mind uh, when we get ready for rotation. That's actually a big one we should talk about, especially before we move on. Um, that Ugin exiles uh, col colored permanence and Nissa creates colorless land three threes. Yep. yep. So so we could either see Nissa being good with Ugin or it being good against Ugin. And that that is a that is something to keep in mind when building these decks. I thought about that. I talked about it in my uh YouTube video as well. But it does seem that like uh, a, a good serious place to look for Ugin is an Anissa deck because if you untap with Nissa, you can cast the Ugin. And the Ugin can clear blockers with a with pluses or minuses for Nissa. Also, like, you know, if your opponent goes Ugin minus and you go Nissa plus, you kill the Ugin. But if you have a Nissa in play already and they go Ugin minus to kill your Nissa, you still get to kill the Ugin. Like, I know that's what along with what you're saying, but I'm just saying Nissa is good before and after an Ugin. Yes. So, so it is it is a really good answer to Ugin preemptively, which not a lot of those exist in Magic, which is pretty big. So Agreed. Wow, this is I actually just missed this card when we went through, but I'm looking through just to to make sure I'm hitting all the bases. But <laughs> I'm just gonna randomly talk about a card I didn't even see. This is kind of messed up. Uh Spark Hunter Masticore. Three colorless, three, four, artifact creature Masticore as additional cost to this card, discard a card, protection from planeswalkers. One colorless activated ability, Spark Hunter Masticore deals one damage to target planes. Oh, it's just Planeswalker. That's a creature Planeswalker. Yeah, that would be messed up. Okay, I was like, <laughs> what the hell is this card? It's just Planeswalker. Never mind. And then three yeah. mana gains indestructible. Okay. I thought it just was like one mana deal one to a creature or planeswalker. That's just how I read it. I was like, that is disgusting. It yeah, just no. It just kills it just kills uh Spark Hunter. I get it. I get it now. <laughs> um But uh but yeah, I think Ugin is like one of the biggest cards to come out of the set. And it's, it definitely had a huge impact last time around. Control decks played it. Uh, the Obs on Ramp decks played it. Uh, it was it was just very good. So it's it's good that we spent a lot of time on it. But before It was we, in Control decks? It was one of the least fun cards I've ever had the pleasure of playing against. Welcome back, Brian. When you play in eight weeks, you know, welcome back to your late access Ugin. The, the gross thing is that I actually like think of Ugin as being something that could be more fun for standard right now. Well, like in the context of its time, Ugin was the least fun thing imaginable. And I think that's a testament to how fun that format just was. It was, it was beautiful. And now yeah. I'm thinking about it and I'm like, man, Ugin could like spark some fun back into magic. There we go. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. but I I mean, I agree with you. Like, like Ugin was very frustrating back then because it it, it kind of just just well, the format was very like defensively leaning mid range deck, so it was very good then. Yeah, it was. But oh, oh I agree with you. It's not actually that much fun. Don't worry. I uh, if you watch my video on YouTube, I know you won't. But if you do, there was a lot of games that were interesting until I played Ugin. <laughs> and then at least one person had fun. Yeah, it's oh. the same. It's the same thing as as all the big colorless. It's the same thing as Ulamog. Same thing as Emrakul. Game was interesting until that card got cast. Um, I, I want to. Corey was asking like, "Hey, was Ugin in control decks?" And I would like to share a tale of mm -hmm. uh, of a pro tour. It was. Is it a dog or a cat tail? 
It is a nine tail. Ooh. Um, oh. It's eight and a half. Sorry, actually eight and a half. Um, Ooh. Are we talking ghost dad? Sign me up. That was one of my favorite dads I, I, ever. I, I know the story. It has already been told on this podcast, but I do has want it? you to tell it. Yes, but I tell okay. it again. <laughs> yeah, so well, we're at a pro tour and uh, we're playing uh, Abzan Agro, actually. Uh, our half of our team played that deck. I think the, the other lion, half was the witch in the wardrobe. The lion, the witch in the wardrobe. Yep. Turn two, police main lion. Turn three, Anafenza. Turn four, siege rhino. I don't know why he was the wardrobe, but he was. Um, <laughs> it's just massive. Yeah, you just that was the curve every game. Uh, Slap it. I remember you can, it. You can I have somebody wins in here. <laughs> yeah. So while everyone else playing the deck, uh, so I I I feel like I kind of got a lot of people on board with the deck and then they all did well with it except for me kind of a classic magic tale to to be fair you did get a shirt out of the deal i did i did get a nasty seraxi shirt out of the deal which was not bad um but we're playing this tournament and i'm in like the you know it's six rounds until the end of the tournament and i have to win all six to get min whatever you know that part of the bracket Sitting in a good spot and yeah. i'm playing against matt severa and he's also in the same boat and he's playing blue black control and blue black control plays like one ugin in their deck and we're playing this game and i am dominating him on every axis like he is hellbent he has nothing going on um i have an elspeth siege rhinos um he's like barely hanging on I've just been a Taurus hand apart with with hand disruption. Like just I've been dominating him on every access, but my mana base was just mana confluence, mana confluence and pain lands. <laughs> and I'm just <laughs> at one life. And he just goes draw for turn, play a temple off the top of his deck, scry to the top and pass the turn. And I'm at one life and I, and he's just I, I have two turns until I kill him. And I just look at him. I'm like, it's the Ugin, isn't it? And he just has no response. And I'm just like, you could just tell me it's the Ugin. And <laughs> just no response from him. And I'm like, all right, play my turn, attack you down to like two life, say go, untap Ugin, plus kill you. <laughs> like, just, I love it. That felt good. Oh, it felt so bad. Just already a tournament where I'm getting destroyed and I just dealt myself 19 points of damage against control and then lost the Ugin off the top. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, uh, talk about talk about value right there. Oh uh, yeah, I like how it's it, it is still correct for him to be silent, but in that situation, like it changes nothing. If oh it's yeah, or not if he tells you it's that or not. If because if you think it is, and you know it's the only way you can lose the game, and you have like a revitalize in your hand, you're gonna cast it right. Oh uh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah you're gonna yeah, it's, gain it's, life if you can. Oh, I, that's no not. It's definitely correct for him to not reveal that information. But I just want you were just so discouraged. Yeah, oh, yeah you were just so, so discouraged. Just uh, like, just tell me. I'll concede and go home, dude. Yeah, it's like I won't even make you draw it. I'll just yeah, yeah. In fact, I would prefer up. if you didn't. I don't even want to see it. Ugin's ugly face right now. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's yeah, good. That, that 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 was that was a frustrating weekend because like I I ended up going three three and limited but nine one with that deck it's the best I've ever done and constructed in a tournament I've like eight two to a few pro tours and constructed but never <laughs> never better than that and I nine one in the deck I literally was just destroying my opponents like so bad like one of my mono red opponents was just like 
I just went, you know, Lion Witch and then Saraski and then and then on the play and then Rhino on the draw. And I just like I, I never had that draw in 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 testing. And I also switched over to your deck late. Um yeah. and uh and for anyone that knows, uh Surak was a five four for two colors, two green, and it had formidable with uh so if you have a power of eight or total spread across all of your creatures, you get ability, and this ability was give a creature haste. Until end of turn. So if you played if you played Lion Fleece Lion into Anafenza and then uh Surak, that would be, you know, uh 14 or 13, 12 power on board, triggering it, it gets haste, and you just attack for that. And then um, Anafenza puts the count and even just straight Anafenza into it, you could attack immediately and put the counter on Anafenza would put a counter onto it when it attacked as well. And that was just 10 damage. And you could just wow. go turn three Anafenza. Turn four, 10 damage. Turn five, they're facing lethal. Like, it was just real fast. So. This format sounds really familiar to me. I wasn't playing at the time, but I jumped in, I'm guessing, at a GP right after this of GP Miami, or was it before? Why were we not green-white devotioning people? Because that, that deck destroyed all the Abzan piles. I oh, this was, this was like a year later. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, this was this was after a rotation. I mean, all of the all of the um, Abzan cards were in the same block. Okay, yeah. um, gotcha. And and yeah, that was definitely a year later with with uh, devotion and stuff. I don't even remember if devotion was out by then. Mm. Um, okay. I don't I don't remember everything about these formats. I could try to look back, uh, but uh, you don't remember card names from this format, so I believe that you don't remember yeah. that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Miami was definitely after that. Uh, and okay, I don't know how okay. much further, but Obzon was around for a very long time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, so so before we go here, though, I want to I want to do a weird thing and quickly, um, you know, in a sentence or two uh, or less, uh, yay or nay, all of the decks uh, that are still in standard and why you think that they will continue to be good or bad. Um, OK. All right. So we'll start off with Teamer Wreck. Uh, well, let's just go <laughs> always uh, Corey, Brian, and then I'll answer. Okay, well, I think this one's a pretty obvious yay because Team of Reclamation is just insane. I'm just going to say yay. It has a ton of insane mythics in it. Like, yeah. or not, I guess not all the cards are mythic, but like it just has just has all the most powerful cards in the format. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll say yay because combo control strategies tend to be good. And if, if whether this is good or not, I think it'll always be dependent on how much the format cares about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Which which influence matters when it comes to standard. Like even if a deck isn't number one, if the entire format is influenced by it, it's still very, very uh, playable. So next yep. deck is Bant Ramp, Corey. I'm gonna say nay because Teamer Elementals with Ugin is out, so it's a dead deck. <laughs> it's a dead deck now. We're, we're going to battle, buddy. <laughs> um, no, I mean, of course, that deck is still gonna be good. I'm yeah. gonna say a tentative yay, tentative in that I don't think that this deck will always be good you know like it i I think it's it's gonna have its moments and you know Mm. it'll be there'll be times where it's a top top tier deck and then there's gonna be other times where it's not good it just depends on the format i agree with that yeah i think bant ramp is uh specifically a blue white deck that splashes the really powerful green cards and it's just a control deck and it'll take some time for it to get its footing but i do think that it'll be a role player and could potentially be very good if the format settles down yeah, yeah, that seems right. 
All right, so so next up is the Bant Flash decks. I think it's safe to say that that is just a variant of Bant Ramp that targeted yeah. a very specific format. All right, so Rakdos Knights. I'm going to say yay, especially at the beginning of the format here, because it's just very fast, very proactive, and it has a good matchup against Team of Reclamation. So, I mean, that that's already a good recipe to uh, have a, a decent showing for that deck. I'm going to say nay, um, without much context here, just in general, of these kinds of, like, aggro decks just haven't been good in a very long time. They'll have the, Maybe they'll have their moments in the sun, but I don't, mm. I don't see it as being a consistent thing. I'm going to also say nay because they're just aggressive decks. People convince themselves to play, but they never really actually do anything. Like it was the yeah. third most played deck in the uh, the regional players tour that I played in. And it I don't think it top aided. Um, look, look back at the top eights of the last four months of tournaments and and look at the decks that are top eighting these tournaments. How many of them look like Rakdos Knights? Like. <laughs> None. Yeah, seriously, it's all these Uro decks, all these gross spiral type decks. That's mm. all that's you know, you know, back before they banned um, Fires of Invention was Fires decks and stuff. None of them looked anything remotely like a Rakdos Knights deck. It's pretty unlikely that we'll see decks like that be good before rotation. All right, Rakdos, Rakdos Sacrifice. I'll kick it off with this one and say nay. I think that Rakdos Sacrifice was doing all right for a little bit and it has like a really good streamlined strategy, but I don't think it has the over the power top uh, effects that is necessary for this format. I'll say nay as well. I also never really been super impressed with this deck and I don't see any reason to change my mind now. I'm going to say nay as well, especially because I think Rakdos Knights is better than Sacrifice in the sense that it just has a, a game plan where it gets you dead. But Sacrifice dirtles around a lot. And then especially if Ugin becomes a force, just negative two against that deck is going to be backbreaking. Yep, exactly. And and that leads into John Sacrifice, which I'm going to say yay because it has the ramp. I think that this is a place where Solemn Simulacrum could maybe find a home. That's a maybe. I'm, I'm not going to like... Bet, bet for it, but it has that over-the-power-topped Bulls of Citadel strategy necessary to compete in a format like this. God, I it's going to be a tentative nay for me, just because I, I think if if Ugin has an impact, decks like this are just not good. I mean, sac- using your Trail of Crumbs to, you know, keep gaining advantage when they just drop Ugin, and with how the decks are set up right now, there's, like, no way to truly destroy that thing. So, But if Ugin doesn't make a big impact, of course, yay, um, because I think it's just such a powerful strategy. I'm going to say nay as well. I think uh, people get bamboozled by this deck a lot, but I think it's just a perennial Tier 2, Tier 3 kind of competitor in this format. Mm. It's, it's not a bad deck, but I don't think it's going to be uh, the do- a dominant strategy. All right. Next up is uh, is is one of the oldest decks in the format. It's called yeah. uh, Orzov Yorion. Um, oh yeah, uh, I Cor- remember when Orzov used to be Esper. Those were the days. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a sentence right there. I remember when Orzov used to be Esper. Uh, I'm gonna say nay. I think this was kind of a flash in the pan because any of these green decks that really want to beat it just drop some Nullhide Ferrex on this deck and can really answer it. I th- I think it was a, more of a flash. I will say no, nay as well. It, Corey, it doesn't play any spells on its opponent's <laughs> turn. That's right, yeah. Definitely what? not. 
Oh, it's Orzhov Flash now? I thought it was Yorion. Yeah, it's not a Flash. It's it's very Sorcerer <laughs> Speed deck. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that actually yeah went right over my head. I was like, what are you talking about? No, Ferox you can just put into play when you discard it. What are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say I'm gonna say Nay as well. I think, I think this deck was really cool, and it was awesome that it did well last weekend because I think that's what a lot of people needed to see was a, a, a cool, in, interesting, unique deck doing well. Um, I, I think that gave a lot of people hope. Um, but in terms of long-term viability of specifically this deck, I'm, I don't, I'm not really seeing it. Wow. I feel, I feel like I'm just like, like whatever you just said, I almost felt like I am just part of the, like the V for vendetta, like distraction. Like <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all gave people what they needed in the moment. And, and while we did that, you know, we, uh, we, you know, we in, did all these new laws and new cards got printed. It was exactly what the people needed. <laughs> but don't, all right. don't, don't, don't tell them the inner workings, Brad. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, I'm also going to say nay. I think the deck was very good against the, the, the metagamed decks that existed. But uh, moving forward, um, there could be some things. But to be fair, this deck just beats up ramp and and grind you out decks that aren't teamer reclamation based so so if uh teamer gets pushed out of the metagame for whatever reason i i would want to see what that deck looks like that beats it um moving on soul time mid-range i'm going to say nay because it's never been good yeah yeah I'm, i'll echo the same sense i i just don't think it's good at all right now i'll also say nay i mean yeah. it's cool cool deck but i don't think it's going to be do we all heads. do we all say mm-hmm. nay to mono red as well just because these decks have perennially been bad yeah, Mono Red, the only hope that I have is they do get one really good card in the form of a, a Sabira a Tazidi Caravaner. God, names are so long right now, it's absurd. <laughs> uh, for people listening, that's two colors, one red, haste. Uh, for a 2-3, one colorless, another target creature with power two or less can't be blocked this turn. And then one colorless, red, tap, discard your hand until end of turn. Whenever a creature you control with power two or less deals damage to a player, draw a card. Um, I, I think that card is very powerful at just being able to push through the last bits of of damage whenever your opponent just plays like an Uro or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, the deck was just so bad already that I don't think that's enough to, uh, you know, bring it back. But I do think that card will be good. So what what are we what are we saying? We're saying whether we think this will be good in the current standard? Is that what we're talking about? Yes. Okay, I'll say nay as well. Uh, however, I do think that Mono Red after will rotation. probably be one of the best decks after rotation just yeah. by default, so... Yeah. yeah, I mean, there is another card that might be good. It's Chandra's Pyroling. <laughs> I think the mm. card is very interesting. It's a 1-3 for colorless red, uncommon, elemental lizard. Whenever a source you control deals non-combat damage to an opponent, it gets plus 1, plus 0, oh, and gains double strike until end of turn. Yeah. Like, if you go one drop into this, into um, the the card that cares about one power Cavalcade. attacking. Cavalcade? Yeah, that's, yeah. You're, you're doing like 9 damage on turn 3. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, it combos quite well with the card I was talking about. If you can just make it uh, can't be blocked before you attack with Cavalcade, all of a sudden you have a sick fireball, you know, on turn four uh, when you play Sabiru. Yeah, so so those are interesting things that might come up. But again, the deck is usually weak. All right, Mono Green Agro has been popping up. I don't know if you've seen much about this BBD. I know you did play against it, but Zvi yeah. kind of popularized it. A lot of people thought it was good. It has had decent win percentages, but it can't close. Mm-hmm. It has not closed a tournament yet even though it like should have a good it 
It popped up right before everyone started gusting a ton. And now that everyone's gusting, I think it got worse. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it got many new toys. I mean, there there are there are a few cards like that Garrick's whatever rare that's kind of interesting. It's just a high powered threat. But again, most of the three drops, it's it. We're not at a lack of three drops for mono green. Yeah, no, I mean, I think like scavenging ooze for the board to deal with Uro and stuff is good, but Mono Green falls into the same problem that Rakdos Knights has is like it has a good matchup against Team Wreck, but then just kind of gets smashed by everything else. And now if we're also incorporating Ramp Ugin decks, like Ramp Ugin decks are going to absolutely destroy Mono Green as well. So I'm definitely going to say nay on Mono Green. I mean, d have you thought about it, though? There are two new cards that might go into the stack. They're called Thrashing Brontodon. <laughs> and colossal dreadmaw. Oh, oh yeah. shit! Let me change. Can I change Dread my answer? Dreadmaw is going to open up some new archetypes for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't really know how to answer this question exactly. I do think that, uh, like Vivian, is really powerful, and we've seen her be at the forefront of aggressive leaning green decks before. Uh, like the one that Chris Kvartek played at. Uh, I think Championship 5, was it? Not sure. That was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, they all blend together, yeah. But uh, I, I, I'm not sure that... Yeah, it, it's hard for me to imagine this being like a, being Tier 1, but I, I do think it is, of like the various aggro decks, this, I, I would put this as the best one, personally. Yeah. I, I, can, I can get behind that. And then the last but not least is the... Oh, baby. Uh, the other uh, Yorion strategy, which was 60-card Yorion that gave Nassif top-aided... The regional, I cannot get this branding today. Regional Players Tour 4, which was just like a generic blue-white control deck that you would think some counter spells, yeah. but like Oaths and ECDs and stuff like that. But but three Yorians in the main deck, none in the sideboard, 60 cards. Um, But it's mostly just a mid-range blue-white deck. I, I don't actually know how to answer this. I have it on the list. Um, I haven't played enough with it. Maybe I shouldn't have had this on, as the last yeah. deck on this list, but... I'm a yay for this. I, I think especially if people are going to try to do ramp strategies, absorb and and things like that, I think are going to be great for that. Um, I, I've just been a big fan of Azorius already. Um, and then you also just get a great anti-aggro card or at least anti-mono red and mono green card in the form of Baneslayer as your sideboard. So I think a yay. I think this deck will still be good, if not improve. So it also doesn't get hit by Ugin. You know, what? like Ugin's not that big of a deal. When I saw Azorius Yorion, I got really excited that, that this was an elite guard mage Thassa deck. And no, now, no, no. Now hearing that it's not, I'm going to have to give it a nay. Otherwise, <laughs> it would have been a yay. Honestly, though, there is some uh, Azorius Blink deck that can play like Baron, uh, Talarian Archmage, and Elite Guard Mage, and like uh, uh, Yorian's in the main and stuff. I think a deck like that, you know, will get crushed by Teamer Wreck and Bat Ramp, but it'll be pretty fun. That's oh, for damn I've, sure. <laughs> I've, I've seen those decks before. I'm I'm all, I'm yeah. on board. Yeah. Bounce uh, with Baron when it gets blinked from Yorian to bounce your Yorian. Oh, my God. Fan me off. Oh, yeah. No, the, the, the <laughs> looping Yorians is disgusting. Yorian is a d yeah. d disgusting magic card, but that's it for oh, now. Yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of new cards. Like, there's a few cards that I'm going to be testing with this week that – uh, hopefully I, I think are kind of interesting like Rada for example is like the new aggressive courser and it's like there's a new courser in the format I'm going to have to try it out um, and Rada is colorless red green 3-3 three, three, as long as it's your turn it has first strike it has an ability for 4GR to give it to give Rada plus X plus X where X is the number of lands you control but the real ability is you may look at the top card of your library at any time you may play lands from the top of your library 
Um, so it is, but it's an aggressively slanted, right? Because it's just a 3-3. Three, three. It can, and and in this format, it gets hit by literally every removal spell and every single come into play. But it's yeah. a Courser. Yeah. Courser's, yeah, that, Courser's that, strong. That card's pretty tough to evaluate uh, because, you know, it competes with, like, Cruel Spellbreaker. You know, I, I, you would think that that card's better, but maybe not. Like, I, I have no clue how to evaluate that card. Yeah, yeah it's... People, I, I, there's a lot of like, um, because it's like you, you think oh, you look you look at that card and you look at like Azusa and they look like they're very similar cards, but they're not. No, and like, it just I, I think putting lands from the top of your deck into play that's card advantage. Putting lands from your hand into play that's not card advantage, and that's the big yeah. difference. This card produces card advantage, therefore it could be very good. Yeah, and I, honestly, probably will be good. So. Definitely could be. It's just too bad Gruul is so bad right now because the mana base is just, you know, really, really rough. Yeah, it's Gruul is not, not where you want to be. Yeah, no, usually isn't. But yeah, that's it for now. Um, we'll be playing some more. At least Corey and I will be. Wait, wait for Brian. We'll have Brian as a special guest in a month after the late access. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> but, but before we do go, we have to say... A, thank you for listening to another episode of the Bash Bros Podcast. But B, we have to shout out our cast and crew. And the cast and crew is those wonderful supporting members of our community on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Bash Bros Podcast to show your support. Um, And everyone that is on the $5 or more tier is part of our cast and crew. And we give shout outs for everything that they do to support our show. So without further ado, let's get into the cast and crew. Let's do it. All right, we have a new member of our cast and crew, everyone. What, what? Excellent, and a returning one. Yeah. And and we actually even have a promotion later on as well. Just a big a big day for our cast and crew. It was a big day <laughs> for our cast and crew, but we're starting yeah. off with Sam Prudhomme, who is the BBP personal fitness trainer, hashtag mm. MTG fitness, hashtag MTG fatness. Now, the funny thing is, is Sam actually started working uh becoming a, a member of our patreon and our cast and crew a few weeks ago and i missed them just like i missed all of my personal training right yeah <laughs> sessions <laughs> yeah no that that makes sense that we missed them we uh we were not trying to get into the fitness game uh the last few weeks unfortunately yeah, I, was gonna say, I, I guess we have to now huh i was like i haven't seen mm-hmm. sam at all which makes a lot of sense as he's the personal fitness trainer so yeah, yeah yeah i haven't seen my gym membership or my toes in months either so <laughs> yeah. yeah no i and, and and with that uh hopefully sam will get me to start using my elliptical that i purchased um or how's that standing desk going, Brad? Have you stood it up yet? Oh, I, st- I stand the desk up a lot. Yeah, because I am so overweight that sitting sitting for that long hurts, I I, I lift the desk up. I just thought you still haven't figured, fixed the cord problem yet. So oh, no, so. I, bought, I bought like a stand for my computer. Everything's fixed. You know what? Nice. You know, in <laughs> yeah. fact, I'm going to raise it up right now. Oh, come on. Drop a monitor one time. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next member of our cast and crew is also back after a short hi- hiatus. And that's Jer Majeldi coming back as the assistant to the assistant reno- regional managers. And unfortunately, the office also came back for like eight seasons as well. So. Jeez. (laughs) All right. Now we have uh, Keith Trojanowski, our intern. 
Oh, excuse me. Unpaid oh, intern. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You, yeah, that, we almost got a lawsuit there. Yeah. yeah but, exactly. but Keith, but Keith has been uh, put in the hours, so we'll see. Maybe. Oh, maybe. he puts in more hours than anyone else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we work him hard, and we do not pay him for it. So. Oh, somebody else we do not pay is Michaela, who is my personal barista, which is uh, which is fantastic because I have a serious caffeine addiction. Mm. Yeah, coffee is good. And whenever I have too much coffee, EJ Ren is Corey's player. It used to be Corey's down player, but EJ Ren got a promotion? Would that be a demotion? Uh, I don't know. Actually, so I have talked to EJ Ren since this, and by that I mean I have not. But but I do assume that EJ Ren does not like this promotion. You would, in fact, say he might hate it. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah, so he's a be. Corey's player hater. That's right. Oh, nice. Okay. Right. <laughs> I, I can't believe I uh, missed a player hater joke. I'm, I'm embarrassed with <laughs> <Yeah>. myself. <laughs> you will not be invited to the ball, the annual ball. All right. Oh, so we have God. Alex Diabolical. Arnoldi, who is our data analyst. No, no, whoa, that's whoa, not whoa, it, though, whoa, Brian. Whoa, whoa, Brian, Brian. Data analyst. Brian. Mm. No, no, Alex doesn't do any data analyzing. You're assuming you're assuming the pronunciation of this, and you know what happens when you assume. You make an anus analyst. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All we right. got him. We got him. All right. <laughs> Next up is Paul Ka. Shit. Kasarowski. Thanks, baby. Oh. Excuse me. Sorry. I couldn't get my finger underneath the thing. Say it again. Oh. Paul what? Paul Ka. There we go. That's right. I had it ready to go. I've been looking at it for hours now. So, (laughs) BBD's wall staring photographer now. Some of the best content and only content in the Bash Bros podcast Discord is Paul's wonderful. Wonderful BBD Wall so, Street. Some of the best content by default, as it is the only. Yeah. (laughs) Winning in a landslide by default. (laughs) <laughs> All right, our next member of the cast and crew has probably the dirtiest job, I would think. And uh, unfortunately, Spoontongue did get a demotion last week, and that is instead of BBD's hairstylist, it is now BBD's body hairstylist. So uh, a rough uh, step in the wrong direction there, uh, Spoontongue. Rough being the optimal word. All right, we got David Watt, <laughs> special guest screener. Love this man's work. Still has not replied to any of the emails. Um, no, he has not. Yeah, yeah. So unlike David Watt is a lot like the 74 emails I've sent Wattsy with no response. He operates under the same principles. And I think it's wonderful. So, Oh, I bet you do. I bet you think that it is fantastic. <laughs> now, oh, I do. I do. Now moving, now moving on, we've got Victor Beauchamp, who is the executive producer. Now, you would think that uh, what is a producer? And in fact, we don't know. But we hang out with Victor, and Victor's cool. True that. Next up, we got Sultan uh, Abbasi, and that is our heavy editor. We have a regular editor, but once it gets a little hairy, you know, like Spoonton's job, we really need a heavy editor uh, to hop in. I need some heavy personal editing. Like, I need my (laughs) life to be heavy edited, honestly. (laughs) Well, email Sultan. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Your life to be heavy edited. (laughs) Really, I do. Subject subject line, life. Will you help? (laughs) We have Pierre Bendelbow, BBP companion, but cannot be played from the sideboard. However, can be played from the hand after you've paid three mana at sorcery speed at any point earlier in the game. 
his legality mm. has improved significantly. Um, no, okay. and I'm pretty sure Pierre has uh, given us a, a job request change, but I have now missed it. Same. Wow. I, I also recall seeing that. And I don't completely remember where it. it is. Completely wow. ignored it because we do not listen to our employees at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, where? Pierre, I didn't see it, so you can blame the other two for uh, seeing it and then just breezing by. At least where I just didn't see it, it at all. I don't remember where that was. Mm. That's, mm. that's a shame. That is a shame. Yeah, that, that sounds like something that would be... The job That sounds like something that we would need a... Oh, Tom uh, Cole, a manager. That's okay. <laughs> there we go. We got him there. I'm still trying to look for the, you know, the information. But yes, Tom Cole oh. is our manager, manages all of our uh, our uh, time and everything and everything about the show. And blame Time Ghoul for every problem you have with the podcast. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's Shaheen Sarani, Brad. Get it right, okay? No, that's where you send the complaints. Oh, of course. And then Time Ghoul micromanages down to Shaheen. All right, that's right. That's All right, so and true. now we got promotion times. Promotion for the next two people here. Eric Nall was once the trash bar. This is definitely our employee with the fastest tick up management, uh, you know, that we have had so far. And the promotion is... Eric has crossed the sea. The trash barge docked onto the shores of the Gulf of docked on the shores of the Gulf of Thailand, <laughs> moved inland, and is now the overseas waste processing facility. Could you tell me that entire promotion again? Uh, no, I cannot. <laughs> yeah, I missed it the first time. Can we get that again, yeah, please? Yeah, yeah. Oh, fortunately. No overseas waste processing facility should go without an executive waste processing operator. Round of applause to Simbuol, <laughs> who is now our executive waste processing operator. I don't know if this is a promotion because Simbuol did have to move to Thailand. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. Next up, we've got IPA for Breakfast, who is our master bartender. And I will say that. Uh, the, uh, the four or five loss did break me. It was the first time that I indulged in alcoholic beverages since quarantine and they were delicious. Me, on the other hand, I listen to IPA for breakfast just about every day because he's one of our valued cast and crew. So I, I have been, uh, using his services quite often. So, so that's, you know, <laughs> that, that that's going for me. Uh, last up for our casting crew is Samuel Stroman and he is our public relations expert. We, uh, we could use it from time yeah, to time. Yeah. I don't listen to that <laughs> guy. Like, <laughs> not at all. Probably no. good advice, but don't take it. Smart. Smart. Oh, I listen to every word he has to say. I eat all, I eat every word up and then I do not follow any of it smart smart okay excellent yeah, yeah. thanks everybody for the being part of the cast and crew we appreciate you a lot yes very much so and if you would like to support us you can do that at best from podcast all right that mm. is the right, episode <laughs> thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the bash Bros podcast yeah, we'll be back in fun spot by I, I, I really like this podcast mm. <laughs> <laughs> we will be back next week uh, with some more testing with Standard, and we'll be taking a deeper look into that format. And uh, hopefully that late access shows up within the next week. If not, we will have to uh, send a 79th ep uh, email to Wizards. I don't remember how many you actually 75th, sent. man. It's 74 that have been sorry. sent. Sorry, Jesus. I'm, I'm not Jesus, Brad. Track. If you're going to keep track with the jokes, okay? This is a professional podcast. Damn it's it. also the 75th time we've made that joke, too. 
Fun and we're going to do it 75 <laughs> more times. Fun <laughs> facts. We will see you all next week. Bye-bye.